the YIS Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the YIS Podcast. We're here for, what, what is this, episode five now? Yes, episode five. Yeah, crazy. It's just time keeps flying and this endless abyss of quarantine. Mm-hmm. But besides that, today we're going to be talking about canons in general. And, you know, it's a very confusing and broad topic. Don't worry, we'll get into it. And let's just start off with some. I hope that's something that will explain what a canon is. Yes, and we're not talking about the Kaboom canon. This is <laughs> literary canons. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. For sure. So recently, um, I watched the Star Wars film, The, um, the Rise of Skywalker. And... You know, like a lot of people, as a diehard Star Wars fan, I was like, this can't be real. Erase it from the canon. It shouldn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I didn't like a lot of things that happened in Rise of Skywalker. It was somewhat a fun movie, but I think in the overall Star Wars canon, it kind of butchered a lot. (laughs) And I think it should be removed from that, you know, canon. Louis, this might come as a surprise to you, but I haven't watched a single you know, movie oh of Star Wars. Goodness. Man, I, 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 I don't oh. know where to start. I don't know where to start. Come on. You, wh- that, okay. It's That's so complicated. Hard. It's like five and then one no, and no, then no. two. You start, you start with the original trilogy, which is four, five, and six. And Why can't it be one, two, three? It, like, well, you can't. Okay, look, it's George Lucas had this genius mastermind plan from the start. When mm-hmm. he was making the fifth movie mm-hmm. or episode five, he was like, this is episode five because I'm going to make three movies that happened before. And oh. it's just, it's such a big mastermind plan. And it's really cool. And it has a really each movie, intriguing canon. And each movie is like three hours. I mean, who has the time to watch oh, a three to four oh hour How movie? many TV shows do you watch again? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway. Well, I don't think we have to argue on who has more time. Mm-hmm. If everyone has time to watch <laughs> Star Wars, go watch Star Wars. If you haven't watched Star Wars, please. For sure. Right. Yeah. But that being said, like I, you know, I like the Star Wars canon. And for those wondering at home, a canon is generally like a set of rules that you know something follows. So in the case of Star Wars, the canon is the main overarching timeline that happens, and you know, like everything that happens. In the, I'm not going to spoil anything now because I can't. So, <laughs> you know, everything that happens in the original trilogy, the prequels, and the new films are considered canon, so they actually happened. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, there's some comics that explore this idea, and they kind of go out of the canon. So they kind of go on abstract quests, which is why they're not considered to be part of the main, like, idea. Mm-hmm. And now, this doesn't exactly apply to every single kind of canon, but that's the general idea. Yeah. So I, I completely don't want the new movie in the canon, and mm-hmm. I think... You know, it's just because it ruins everything. But you can't argue with the canon. The canon is what the creator wanted for the story, and it can't be dismissed. Like, you know, at least for me, you don't see me saying uh, Japan. Uh, you don't see me saying even though Japan lost, uh, you don't see me saying they destroyed South Africa 28 to 5 in the World Cup. That's the point of the canon, right? When you love something, you want to appreciate it and make sure that, you know, others do. A canon should be unrivaled opinion on how things should be. But you, but are you, as a singular fan, to decide that? Like, I... I yeah, you are kind of right. The technical de- definition is exactly what you describe, especially within something like pop culture nowadays. And the canon dictates the exact happenings within a given universe or event. And it's usually identified... By the creator and in this case it'd be george lucas 
But there have been times when authors have considered fan fiction to be canon because they thought it suited the story. So there is yet hope for me. <laughs> right. And this could also, you know, apply to academics. Like within psychology, you could argue that, you know, the Stanford prison experiment should be part of an official required list that must be acknowledged and known by all because, you know, that was really, really influ influential in, I guess, the study of psychology and, you know, morals in experiments. Right. And I find it interesting. Like, should there be a canon in terms of anything? Like, everything, right? Would it be best for everyone to follow certain rules for what we should consume and accept them? Or should we be completely free of bias and do whatever we want? Well, um, at least for me, I think having canons is really, really cool. Because I guess it c c puts people together, you know? It, like... I guess people are able to have conversations and argue about certain topics because of this canon. And it brings out really a, like a good conversation between people. So therefore, you know, I think that canons are, you know, important and should exist. What about you? What do you think? I, I'm kind of partial because I think canons obviously are like exist and they're useful at times, but. I really like the idea that everyone has their own right to think of what they want, of what's essential. And I, it really adds to the idea of the freedom aspect. And especially in a subject like art or music, where everything is subjective. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously having a canon is beneficial somewhat. Like, you know, in music, there's a canon that the class, all classical music is very important to modern mm -hmm. music. And it is. And, you know, you have to listen to it to understand it. And it really does increase your understanding of everything happening nowadays you know because every type of music like modern music has some roots in western classical music but you know i still don't really like the idea that everything is like rooted simply in a one canon and that we all have to do something related to it although i do think canons are beneficial yeah and you talked about only having one canon but i don't think that's net i mean it was true back in you know like uh back in the days but i think now there there's not one single canon but there are multiple canons and that's what i think that's what makes it interesting because there are different canons and different rather than just having one and everybody having to you know constrain to that yeah i guess you're right mm -hmm. um i don't really think much about it that way because mm -hmm. canon in my mind is just a singular like you know <laughs> uh <laughs> continuum i don't know it's just the consistent unif unifying thing mm -hmm. but i guess to think of um everything as separate multiple canons is interesting you know i mean a big question is who creates you know the canon let's start with our school you know for example uh or english classes it seems like you know a certain number of books uh seem to you know recur every year and even in other schools too you know like lord of the flies right. shakespeare's plays the great gatsby and why do you think these are the way it is you know well i don't think it's a means you know of controlling us to you know just keep <laughs> us it, to just reading a certain uh, uh a certain set of books but i think it has to do with you know shaping us for the societies we'll, we you know we will go on to represent later in life hmm you know i wonder if that in itself you know is oppressive as it seems if it could hinder a creative mind maybe that canon could be expanded then do you you know think that if the per if the purpose is to 
strict in the canon that it is a way to ensure that students will think in a certain way, that all students will think in this like one bubble of, you know, like ideas? Well, I think that is somewhat true because, you know, like the, the whole idea of a canon is to get you to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. And obviously, even if people don't admit they have a canon, like IB probably doesn't want to say, well, we have a extensive canon. But, you know, they're still trying to influence the people. Mm-hmm. As IB students, we are influenced and we do have a canon, I think. Yeah. You know, if you gather all the IB students from all the world and you ask them similar questions, they'll probably answer it in very similar ways. Yeah. And... We have Miss Katie, who's our amazing librarian, and we're going to talk to her a little about canons after this short break. All right, next up, we have a new segment coming up in our podcast series, and we're calling it Debate Duel. Basic idea of this, anyone or any two people can get in a room and debate about anything they want. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's not a room, but it's a Google Meet. (laughs) Right. Keep practice social distancing, kids. For sure. That's important. Right. Welcome, Anansi and Shriya, and let's give them the time. Spoilers ahead. Before we get into our segment, we'd like to warn our listeners that there are a lot of spoilers for the Avenger movies. And if you don't want to listen to it, please skip this segment. Thank you. Hi guys, I'm Anansia. I'm Shriya. You've never heard us on the podcast before, but here we're here today with a new segment to discuss a really important topic, and that is that Iron Man is the better one between him and Captain America. No, come on. Captain America is so much better. No, no, he isn't. Uh... Okay, anyway, the topic for today is the debate of who's better, Captain America or Iron Man. And um, I personally think it's Captain America, and I'm going to tell you why. But before that, I need to tell you that all the events that we refer to take place in the MCU and all the comics. Okay, so Captain America's origin story, it's so much more organic and inspiring as compared to Iron Man. I mean, he rose from a position of being unknown and belittled because of being skinny and 5 foot 4 inch to becoming one of the most important war heroes and he was he he could only make it to the position of captain america due to his courage and determination he was chosen to be injected with that serum because of the qualities he showed as a good potential soldier and his values i mean i agree that iron man he showed good character development throughout the series but captain america has such heartfelt relationships with bucky and peggy since day one and he never shies away from the role of being a hero. He takes the responsibility that comes in with his power. As seen in Endgame and Civil War and actually every movie that he's in, he's always there for the world when they need him and also his friends when they need him. And some may call this idealistic, but I think he's a man with morals. The only selfish act possibly that he's done in the whole series is when he goes in the past to stay with Peggy. Okay, before I start, can I just say... That um, the only reason Captain America became Captain America was because he was selected to take part in like a controversial drug test. He could have just like easily died or anything. And if it wasn't for him taking part in the drug test, we wouldn't have Captain America. Just saying. So I'm just saying that he thought, you know, 
you got that great. He's just a normal guy. And when you look at Iron Man, yeah, I agree that, yeah, he's kind of, like, a playboy, and, like, he has some issues. I mean, all of them had some issues. But when he got kidnapped, and when he made that suit of armor using nothing but a box of scraps, he just showed that he could use his brains to create something, like, amazing, to create something he could help to say he could use to help save the world i mean he is like a genius like he like captain america is just nothing but muscle like he just throws his shield around like runs around uh, fights some people punches them yeah whatever but like iron man does that and so much more he uses his brains to click problem solve and do everything he can uh and not just using like his suit which is pretty cool just seeing his suit is like amazing i mean like captain america's um shield was easily destroyed even if it was made of vibranium by thanos at the end of endgame i mean iron man his suit didn't really like you know nothing really happened to it until he died but just saying you know because of tony stark's like genius he is one of the most better characters between him and captain america okay you know what i agree that he is really intelligent and he is very resourceful but the fact remains that if he is so intelligent and resourceful why didn't he use it when people actually needed him he waited 5 whole years to bring up that time machine in end game imagine 5 years people lived without half the world's population when they could have lived with them if only a certain billionaire would have gone past his selfish motives to actually help people with his intelligence and technology um just saying that he suffered through a lot in infinity war he watched like peter the only person who he like genuinely cared about apart from pepper die he w- almost he almost died you know in the sh- spaceship and if it wasn't for captain marvel he'd also probably be dead right now and so would like half the universe and the and like one of the reasons that he decided to like help everyone was because of like the picture of peter you know the one he saw like he saw he realized how much he missed peter and he decided that he like realized that other people probably missed you know their loved ones their family their friends as well and he decided to help them he knew what he was risking but he wanted like everyone to be happy he saw how sad his team was and he decided to help them okay well i agree with the end the end snap was really selfless of him and that saved the world i agree with that but the fact remains that he was motivated by selfish motives he was motivated by peter because peter is the only one he cares about out of all the people who are asking him to work for him look at captain america's case didn't he not suffer with trauma of course he did but he was making the best of the, the situation with his talents he held a support group for people who were missing the people who had gone missing what did iron man do he hid in a house that nobody could find and you know who else agrees with me thor's hammer did it come to iron man no but did it come to cap america of course he is worthy uh, okay i'm not going to get into like the whole debate of what worthy means to thor's hammer because that's like that's a debate for another time but i'm just saying that he saved the world three times and he are sure one of the times was because of his creation but it was because he was trying to help the world and did captain america support him when he created ultron no he just shunned him away like everyone else he could have helped him but he didn't bother he was not a good friend he was just trying to save the world and captain america didn't help well can i point out that out of the times he saved the world one time was literally because of him that they were in the situation of ultron i mean yeah, he makes but- mistakes too 
Yeah, okay, I agree he makes mistakes, but I mean, he didn't really create Ultron to, like, destroy the world. He created him to save the world, and it wasn't really his fault, but, you know. Uh, okay, well, anyway, we can do this all day. <laughs> True. So, I think we should agree to disagree. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, and we're running out of time, so... I hope you guys enjoyed this, and let us know if you want more. Who else should we debate about? Yeah, and please tell us who you support, and please let make it Captain America. I hope I convinced you. Guys, no, Iron Man's better. I have so many, like, like ideas, but no, okay. not right now. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you guys thank for you. listening. Thank you very much, Anansia and Shreya, for the amazing discussion. Next up, we have a special message from Dragon Dining. So we've been out of school for around two months now, and while we've been trying to adjust to our online classes and our new schedules, a huge part of our community is still back at our campus working hard in the cafeteria. And that's Dragon Dining. Dragon Dining currently offers a grab-and-go lunch service, but they also started a new program a few weeks ago for those of us living um, farther from school. And as some of you may know, it's called the Chiku Center Pay It For Donation Lunch Program, and all orders go towards supporting Dragon Dining in the Chiku Center, which aims to support and provide food for those living with food and housing insecurity in the Yokohama area. It's sort of similar to how we would typically get lunch at school, except you're donating a meal to the Chiku Center. And with each order, Dragon Dining prepares two onigiris, one senbe, one pack of miso soup, and some fruit. And Dragon Dining is an independent food business that runs exclusively at our school, and it's important now more than ever to continue to support them, even though we're not directly at school, um, for all they do for us during the school year. And as Darren mentioned in last week's episode, we want to make sure that we see the same faces at Dragon Dining when we get back to school. So please consider donating. You or your parents can order the donation meal via your Lunchbox accounts today. Alright, welcome back everybody. Um, right now, we have a very special guest, and Miss Vance, and we'll discuss what she has to say. Hi Miss Vance, how you doing? Hi Louie, hi Karthik, I'm great, thank you so much for having me. No problem. We we're very honored to have you on, it's always a lot of fun to have guests. <laughs> Although it is cool. a bit nerve-wracking, you know, because it's still a new thing, so. Yeah. Well, you all are getting very good at this. I'm I'm really impressed. Your switch into host voice was really good. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am very, very nervous. Well, But it'll be okay. good. Hmm. Yeah, we're all in the same boat here, so. Very exciting. All right, so we've, me and Karthik have kind of been discussing about the whole idea of a canon, and I kind of want to hear what your take on a canon is. Hmm. I um. I I was really interested hearing kind of what you all had to say about it. I loved Karthik's <laughs> comment about, you know, is it a means of controlling us or enslaving mm. us in some way? I thought that was really cool. So because I'm a librarian, I did a little bit of research, mm-hmm. and I found out that the word canon actually comes from canonization in the Roman Catholic Church, which mm. is how they decide that like a dead person becomes canonized as a saint, right? Oh, and wow. When I started thinking about that with the literary canon, that really um, made me think about it in a, in a much different way. Because when we think about the canon, we're thinking about, well, which books are the most important books? Which ones are the ones that we should be putting up on pedestals that, you know, air quotes, mm-hmm. everybody should read? Um, and that idea really makes me a little bit crazy. I don't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't like it? Okay, that's... 
Interesting. No. Yeah, I think um, I think the reason why I don't like it is because especially when I was in school, I was reading mostly the same books by a bunch of old dead white men <laughs> that my parents also read when they were in school. Right. And um, I think it's really important that the, the, the things we choose to read are really diverse and we're getting all sorts of different people's perspectives. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. Um, it, it is true, yeah. Canons are a bit restricting. And I heard that you said you read books that were the same as what your parents would have read. But how do you think that's changed? I mean, I mean, compared to now, what in what kids are reading today, is it almost the same or is it much different? Has the change between the authors that the students are reading now, is it much different compared to what you were reading back then? I definitely think things are shifting and in a good way. Um, you know, I know when I was in middle school and high school, every single year we read a Shakespeare play. And I know that you all are still reading Shakespeare, but you're also reading a wide variety of other texts. I also think that you all are, um, you know, and myself as well to, to get to work with you all are very privileged in the sense that the IB does tend to, they work hard to have a really diverse prescribed list. They work hard to have a diverse list of um, titles and translation, which is really important. Uh, and I know like it just it's not just the canon as decided by like what your English teachers are going to say you're going to read in class. Mm -hmm. It's also the canon decided by what is chosen to be included in, say, your library and made available to you. And I know that's something that Miss Vicky and I work really hard on. Um, the Sakura Medal Award, we're in the middle of choosing those books right now. And there's always a huge conversation because we have all kinds of different schools in this group of librarians that choose these books. And some, some of the books every year, a few schools cannot include on their list because they are too diverse for their student population. Sorry, oh. not for their student population, for like their school's beliefs. So there's oh, stuff cool. that you read at YIS that other schools, their students don't even get exposed to. Oh, wow. I think wow. that's important to know. Crazy. That is really interesting. I guess, huh? So, the Sacramento overall is decided by multiple schools, right? So It's decided by a lot of different schools. I'd say in the meeting, this year, of course, we're doing it online, but in the meeting, there's anywhere from 40 to maybe even 60 librarians in the room, and we break up into groups for different grade levels. The other thing that I think is really important, because if you think about it, just like the literary canon that uh, maybe has been taught in very old university, universities for century, centuries, sorry, is determined by a small group of gatekeepers. We are also the gatekeepers. So in the last few years, we've worked really hard to get students involved in the nomination process. And we get library councils from several different schools to nominate books. And they get a um, certain percentage of the number, a certain percentage of the books that are on the list, which I think is really important because it shouldn't just be about what you know, an old white lady librarian says, even if I'm still alive, it needs to be about what you all want to. Right. Yeah. So, so you were saying earlier about the whole kind of like freedom aspect of a canon. Mm -hmm. So uh, I find that kind of interesting because like, you know, um, what we described earlier as like the definition of a canon is almost restrictive in a way. But the way you've described it now is very like it includes everybody and it's it's a good kind of canon. Right. Hmm. Well, you know, I think the thing is, is that perhaps historically there's been sort of one canon that was considered acceptable, right? Like you're supposed right. to read Beowulf, you're supposed to read the Canterbury Tales, you're supposed to read 
um, Shakespeare and the Bible, right? And when we pull those things out in exchange for other things, you're elevating other voices. And in that way, it's really freeing. But also, you are losing, like, if you've ever read The Master and Margarita, um, which is a, a translated Russian text about... I think it's during Stalinist Russia, which is uh, was supposedly an atheist country at that point. The devil comes to to Russia and comes to Moscow and like visits Earth basically. And if you haven't read the Bible, you don't get all of the references, right? So by not having exposure to that in in lots of Western literature, you're going to miss a lot of things. But if you put all your time into reading only the Bible and only say Christian influenced literature, you're going to miss all these other amazing cultures and references in the world. And we live in a really diverse global world now. And that's super important too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of, it's kind of an answer to the question I was going to ask about like, you know, like, should we have a canon? And I'm assuming the answer is kind of like a yes slash no. (laughs) It's, um, Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, I think there's no way you could say there should be one canon for an international world. Right. I read an interesting article in The Guardian that was about, um, I think maybe Australia, maybe their Department of Education was trying to determine a list of books that would be a prescribed canon of Australian literature. But the argument that this person was making was that if you try to make, by, de- by defining an Australian English language canon, you are going to destroy Australian literature because Australia is so diverse beyond just its English language that you're going to be missing out on all these other cultures. So I think the important thing is to know that there are maybe canons for all sorts of different genres and time periods and people and their backgrounds. And um, anytime that you make choices, anytime that you elevate one voice over another, you are putting that other voice down and you need to think about what you're choosing to include and why that's happening. So you're saying that although it, it could have been possible to have a canon, I guess, globally back in, in history, now that we have more awareness for, I guess, d- different voices all around the world, it's hard to have one canon. So it's really important to have many. Yeah. Well, isn't it convenient that, you know, back in the day, so to speak, <laughs> like let's say during the time of colonization, the people who were busy colonizing and were in power and were saying, no, you must believe this and you must mm. live this way and you have to read these things and no, you can't speak your language, you have to speak our language. Um, they were the people with the power then. So it's easy when you have a very narrow group of people in power to define a canon. And now it's not so easy because we have so many more people and that's great. Mm. And I mean so many more voices being heard. Also, seven point however many billion humans on the planet yeah for sure for sure yeah so like i guess the maybe not the definition of canon but i guess the way canon works has definitely evolved over time and yeah it's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. i liked how you all talked about um music and art and the mm-hmm. different ways that like the canon has evolved in there and i'm even thinking about that in terms of television This is an amazing time for TV right now, right? Like Netflix is just exploding. And the things you're supposed to have read, I'm very bad at TV. I don't watch it a lot. And so I'm missing out on all these um, cultural memes that I don't understand because I'm missing out on the canon of television right now. Right. Mm. I'm kind of getting, I'm like, you know, I was listening to all this. I was just kind of like, I guess canons aren't becoming much of a necessity more like, they incorporate people into different societies because you were saying, you know, you missed out on TV shows and you're not 
getting with the memes and all these new things. So it's just, I guess, it's not become so much a necessity, but more like a want. You know, it's mm. easier to incorporate into a society if they have a canon. And if you if you know that canon, right? Like I I imagine as lots of our graduates are considering where they're going to be going to university next year, mm. and you're all coming from an international environment, and you have a shared knowledge and understanding of the world that is going to be much different than some of right. these more monocultural yeah. places that you'll be going to. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a reading list ahead of time to be like, all right, <laughs> this is what I need to read to know and understand and not miss the joke at a party, right? Mm -hmm. That in that way, canons can be useful, but our culture is so diverse, it's hard to have a, a really easily prescribed one anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's totally agree. Mm. Oh. Well, <laughs> it looks like we've gone, wow, quite a bit over time. Oh that's, no, that, that's so great. sorry. That's awesome. We, that's, we that's talked a lot about canons, and you know, I it's so nice to have you and like talk sure. about this kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, so. It's really nice to chat. Nice to chat with you all. Thank you so much for having me, and and I hope that when our Sakura medal nominations come out, you'll find that it's a really diverse canon that you're interested in reading this year. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward looking to. It. Forward. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so Ms. much Kitty. for coming on, and have a great you. day. You too. So we've talked a lot today, especially about canons, and we've probably confused a lot of people. And, you know, we've had a lot of thoughts in the process. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of. And I think, you know, we should ground it somewhere because yeah, that's what this sure. episode's about. And I think a good way of doing this is returning to our own education. Right. Yeah. So with the canon, you know, we have identified in our current curriculum, curriculum that there is an effective way of educating us while it's not stripping us of some of our creative freedom. Right. And I think it really depends on the size of the canon. As we discussed, it seems that in languages, the IB is trying to extend the literary canon by including works in translation, and it can do so because of our many cultural di culturally diverse teachers with different tastes and experiences. Mm, yeah. So the broader the canon, the stronger, you know, our um, cultural awareness is. I think uh, for the purpose of preparing us for a more, you know, intercultural future, this is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, there's so much potential for this in our current world, even in art, which you'd think would be a relatively abstract and creative subject. When looking back, it's extremely difficult to name more female influential artists than you can count on one hand. You don't even seem to question the credibility of those artists. Likewise, in the mutus world, music world, as we touched on earlier. Yeah, and I think the right move is not to, you know, disregard the canon, but, you know, uh, simply help diversifying. Well, we can go that way and be progressive, uh, progressionary, but I also want to acknowledge that the term canon can, by today's nature, turn a fandom or community into tunnel vision protectors of what they think is right. I guess kind of like what I did earlier, <laughs> but we'll, yeah, we won't mention that. I think before the canon became so industrialized, you know, discussing books or artworks or anything for that matter, was more about teamwork and healthy discussion. So today's perception of a canon is perhaps more about the personal conceptions of the individual rather than the cred credibility of art itself and the whole group, right? 
Yeah. And if the given canon, you know, is created by a high authority of sort and therefore is uh, not arguable with, then yes, you know, your argument may be the case. But if we create, uh, if we work, you know, to create an outline for canon, you know, like a tree with many branches of sorts, I think that, you know, there is room for all of us, you know, to be satisfied. Yeah, for sure. Create little mini canons off the main canon. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been our discussion on canons. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been a lot of work to work on and a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the YS Podcast. I want to thank our producer of the week, Carl. You did an amazing job and we wouldn't have this episode without you. I also want to thank our debate duelers, Shreya and Anuncia, and Ms. Vance for her eye-opening insights into canons. My thanks also goes out to our senior producer, B, our hosts, Louie and Karthik, and our engineer, Mr. Benson. Please also consider donating a meal to those in need through the Chiku Center Pay It Forward lunch service or by purchasing a grab-and-go lunchbox from Dragon Dining. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the YS Podcast on Spotify for weekly content. I'm your executive producer, Sabrina, and that's it for this week's episode of the YS Podcast. 